This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Fifteen years on up, uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am. Not a hundred percent, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Hello again, and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast. This is Alyssa Carroll, and I am your host and the creator of at Serial underscore Killing on Instagram, where we go through the life stories of serial killers to see if we might catch a glimpse of why they displayed their famous, vile, and disturbing behaviors. This week's podcast will be on Carl Panzram. Carl was born on June 28, 1891 in East Grand Forks, Minnesota. So let's get into some history for that time. In Germany in 1891, the government initiated the first public elderly pension system, as well as advocating an eight-hour workday and protection for children regarding labor laws and public education. In Russian-ruled Poland, there is unrest among workers, which led to the authorities attacking those workers, killing 46 people. In the United States, W.L. Judson invented the zipper. Also, the London to Paris telephone system was officially opened. The Wrigley Company was founded in Chicago. John Abbott became Canada's third prime minister. In the south and west of England, the Great Blizzard of 1891 hit leading to huge snowdrifts and powerful storms. It also sank 14 ships and 220 people lost their lives. Also this year, Eugene Dubois found the first fragmentary bones of Java Man or Homo erectus in the Solo River in Indonesia. The constitution of the first Brazilian Republic was finally put into law. And to give you an idea of the cost of things back in the 1890s, they had what they called tooth soap, and it was just 25 cents. If you wanted to buy a home in Brooklyn, New York, it was about $7,000, and a pound of coffee was just 15 cents. One dollar in 1900 is roughly equal to about $26.50 in today's money. 
So we see there wasn't a whole lot of war or terribly awful things at this time, but understand that it is building at the turn of the century. So this was the atmosphere that Carl was born into. Now, Carl's parents were Johann Panzram and Matilda Baldwin. Johann was born in 1843 and was from Bromberg, Prussia, you know, Poland and Russia. Matilda was born in 1851 and was from Berlin, Germany. Both of his parents immigrated to the United States sometime in their youth to at least very, very early adulthood. Now, I found that Matilda was actually married once before to a man by the last name of Price. The two had a son together named Louis Price. Unfortunately, Louis drowned in the Red Lake River on the border of North Dakota and Minnesota. Matilda was in her 50s at the time of the boy's death, so it can be assumed that he was a grown man when he died. I don't know what happened in that marriage, but obviously they divorced. It would appear that Johann had had at least three children prior to his marriage to Matilda. John, Mary, and then Herman. Now, in Herman's obituary, it states that his mother died when he was very young and that he was raised by another couple, not his father and stepmother. But Johann and Matilda married in 1878. He was 35 years old and she was 27. And after their marriage, two more children, Albert and then Carl was the last, born in 1891. So by the time Carl was born, his parents were 48 and 40 years old, respectively. Since Herman's obituary states he was born on a farm, we can assume that Albert and Carl were both born there as well, and this would have been Johann's farm. Now, sources state that Matilda was extremely hardworking, but not a very loving mother. Carl wrote himself that, quote, My parents were of German descent, hardworking, ignorant, and poor. All of my family are as the average human beings are. They are honest and hardworking people, all except myself. I have been a human animal ever since I was born, unquote. Now, everyone was expected to work hard and long on the farm to make ends meet and put food on the table. His older siblings did go to school, but before and immediately after school, time to work. And they worked well into evenings and in the dark when they had to. And as Carl got old enough to understand work, his participation was no exception. He states that discipline was harsh, and it didn't just come from his parents. Quote, My sister and I were sent to school during the days, and as soon as we came home in the evenings, we were put to work in the fields, where my elder brother and mother were always at work. 
my portion of pay consisted of plenty of work and a good sound beating every time I looked cockeyed or done anything that displeased anyone who was older and stronger and able to catch me and kick me around whenever they felt like it. Every single thing that I'd done was wrong. Unquote. So around the age of five, he began lying and stealing. And at the age of seven, his father abandoned the family and the farm and just disappeared. His mother rather suddenly became a single mother to multiple children trying to survive. At eight years old, he was caught and picked up by the police for drunkenness and made his very first court appearance, eight years old. And then tragedy struck when his oldest brother, the brother from the prior marriage, drowned in that river. Carl stated that that brother was the obvious favorite child and his mother grieved terribly. As it was, his older siblings began leaving as well, one by one. At 11 years old, he decided to break into a neighbor's house who seemed to have money. He stole some apples and a cake, which he ate, and then he found a revolver and he took it. He then took off to the railroad yard to hop into a rail car and run away. Only he got caught. He was taken back home and, quote, beaten half to death. His mother then sent him to the Minnesota State Training School. This school was, and still is, a state juvenile correction facility. So this next little part are mostly Carl's words, and for some they might be a little triggering, so I just want to put a disclaimer in, okay? So Carl said, quote, Right there and then I began to learn about man's inhumanity to man unquote while there he was beaten tortured and brutally raped by some of the staff in an outbuilding or possibly just a separate room that they called the paint shop it was called that because children would leave quote painted with blood and bruises carl described one method of torture as this quote they used to have a large wooden block, which we were bent over and tied face downward after first being stripped naked. Then a large towel was soaked in salt water and spread on our backs from the shoulders down to the knees. Then the man who was to do the whipping took a large strap about a quarter of an inch thick by four inches wide and about two feet long with a handle on it about two feet long. This strap had a lot of little round holes punched through it. Every time that whip came down on the body, the skin would come up through these little holes in the strap. And after 25 or 30 times of this, little blisters would form and then burst. And right there and then, hell began. The salt water would do the rest. About a week or two later, a boy might be able to sit down. Maybe, if he didn't sit down on anything harder than a feather pillow. Unquote. So Carl got his own revenge, though, 
He said that he made the conscious decision to hurt those who hurt him, or really anyone else would do, and he stuck with that philosophy his entire life. Sources say that he urinated or even masturbated into beverages that he served the officers, and he took pride in watching them consume that. He was even caught putting rat poison in an officer's coffee. Finally, in 1905, at the age of 14, he wrote that he finally learned to lie and say that he was now a reformed, good Christian boy who wanted to be a preacher when he grew up. The parole board bought it, and he was discharged from the school. He was given a decent suit, $5, and a train ticket home. And he did return home, and he was put right back out into the fields. He again told his mother that he wanted to be a preacher. He brought it up constantly, and finally she relented and sent him to a German Lutheran school, and for a couple of weeks, things were actually going pretty well. But the other kids somehow knew that he had gone to a reform school, and they were bullying him about it, making fun of him for it. So he began beating those kids up. Things escalated until he brought a revolver into the school and after a tussle with the head preacher, held a gun at the man's face and pulled the trigger several times. Only the gun didn't go off. He fled the scene, he went home, but then fled again and hopped from train car to train car, traveling all around the Midwest and western parts of the U.S., committing petty crimes all along his path. At 16 years old, he was living the life of a hobo, a drifter. But during one train car ride, as he shut the door, three other men jumped him and brutally raped him. After that, he landed in Montana, where he was picked up for drunkenness and sent to another reform school. Soon after, he actually enlisted with the U.S. Army, but was arrested and convicted of theft and was sent to Fort Leavenworth's United States Disciplinary Barracks. So, that was Carl's childhood. We are lucky enough to have him tell us himself about his beginnings, and there's a lot there. We know that both of his parents were in prior relationships. We don't know what caused Matilda's marriage to end. We do know that Johann's wife died when their children were very small. Once Johann and Matilda got married, they were officially a blended family. Now, blended families are hard enough, but with the death of the mother for Johann's first three children, you often see the idolization of that lost parent, and the children are, we'll say, less than happy about a new parent coming into the picture. That's not to say Johann's children were not accepting of Matilda, but it could at least be relevant. And then we get information stating Matilda was not the most lovey and affectionate parent, and she was middle-aged, work-weary, and struggling by the time Carl was born. We hear that she idolized her son from her previous relationship, 
And this favoritism did not escape Carl's attention either. According to Parenting.com, an unfavored child can feel defeated and unmotivated, and it can lead to depression along with anger, bitterness, jealousy, and often behavioral problems and overall acting out. They sometimes indulge in inappropriate behaviors, becoming the, you know, black sheep that they believe their parents already see them as. Perhaps Carl began acting out at such a young age due to family stress and the perceived, at least, favoritism. Stealing and displaying ill behavior is one sure way to get attention, and we all know that that's called negative reinforcement. We also see that the discipline was extremely harsh, and we have just recently discussed how corporal punishment can and often has very negative repercussions. And he also wrote that his brothers were welcome to physically beat or kick him as well. And then Johan abandoned the family completely. Children who have a parent abandon them are much more likely to have long-term mental health issues. They may have mood swings and anger later in life. The child's self-esteem is also affected and it can lead to anxiety, depression, and has also been linked to borderline personality disorder and attachment anxiety. Borderline personality disorder presents often as a fear of abandonment, which I don't believe really is at play here, but they also display impulsive, self-destructive behaviors, have unclear or a shifting self-image, they have explosive anger, feel suspicious or out of touch with reality, and extreme emotional swings. But again, outside of a couple of ticked boxes, I personally don't think this was the issue with Carl. He was also told that he was stupid and unintelligent, and yet his spelling and basic grammar are, in my opinion, well above average considering all aspects. Now, I found a PDF file of the actual pages he typed on a typewriter, and I have linked that below into the podcast notes. So if you want to go take a look, I highly recommend it. Super fascinating. He used and correctly spelled some higher tier words, and there were very few mistakes considering it was on an old school typewriter. So I think he was actually highly intelligent and seemed to be pretty well-spoken. So after some criminal behavior, Carl was sent to a reform school where he experienced some of the worst things that a child can, and all while beginning puberty, I might add. Now, according to the National Academics of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, the consequences of this can be devastating, absolutely. Physical consequences range from minor injuries to severe brain damage. Psychological consequences range from chronic low self-esteem to severe dissociative states. Many have attention problems, learning disorders, all the way to severe organic brain syndromes. 
it can lead to extraordinarily violent behaviors. And then there's the sexual abuse. There is a diverse range of outcomes, such as post-traumatic stress disorder, later drug and alcohol dependence, major depression, panic disorder, much higher rates of suicide, conduct disorder, and some go on to rape children or others in their adult life. Now, I'm not saying all. Many people experience sexual abuse and then they go on to lead pretty normal lives. I'm stating this as a possibility. Child rape included into the sexual abuse has been linked to psychotic disorders, including schizophrenia and delusional disorder, personality disorders, and then the torture. Oh, the child torture. So what we have here is a man born into a blended family who had to work very hard to maintain their farm and survive. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But not only did the parents beat him, his siblings were allowed to beat him and kick him as they saw fit. His mother showed very obvious favoritism and his father abandoned the family. He, in the beginning, displayed ornery and bad behavior, I think, as a cry for attention. Carl himself said he was a good kid just doing bad things until he was sent to that reform school. There he endured the very worst, sick, torturous, and perverted treatment a child possibly could. His mind was not allowed to develop as most of ours do, just a few experiences at a time. One could say, in the most dark and poetic way, his mind and body were broken wide open. So let's get back into it. Carl spent two years in Kansas at Fort Leavenworth's disciplinary barracks. During this time, he attempted to escape, which was unsuccessful, and he managed to burn down the prison shop. He was dishonorably discharged and released in 1910. Carl was just 19 years old. He stated that at this point, he hated everyone that he was a tall six foot and strong 190 pounds of quote concentrated hell-fired man inspired meanness unquote so at first he traveled up to denver colorado and he worked for a few weeks before he began doing crime again he was fired but given his pay and he immediately spent it on a gun and a prostitute he also got blackout drunk because he woke up with no money, no gun, apparently no shoes, and he quickly found out he had also contracted gonorrhea. He decided that perhaps women were something he should leave well enough alone. Carl again traveled throughout the United States, setting fires here, stealing goods there, fighting all along the way. It has been stated that he also overpowered men he robbed and he raped them. He said he was, quote, rage personified. And at one point while in Texas, he found, quote, one of the most beautiful, curly-haired, 
blue-eyed, rosy face that I have ever seen in my life, unquote. He took this boy with him for a short while before he was finally caught and thrown back into prison. He didn't explicitly say that he was raping the boy, but we get the idea that he was. He, of course, escaped and traveled over to Houston, which was apparently on fire at the time, according to his writings, and he said that he really enjoyed, you know, strolling along the streets and witnessing the flames and chaos everywhere. People would beg him to help them get their valuables out of their house, and he was happy to do so, stealing while the town was distracted. After that, he crossed the border into Juarez, Mexico, and attempted to join the Mexican army, but he wasn't accepted. He went on to California and was promptly arrested. We see a pattern here. Carl began using aliases, but was still getting arrested for highway robbery, assault, and sodomy. In March 1915, 24-year-old Carl burglarized a house in Oregon and was again arrested. He was sentenced to seven years to be served at the Oregon State Penitentiary. But later that year, he and another man escaped, and during the escape, the other man killed someone, and this was the first time we see Carl helping to end the life of another man. He was recaptured, then he escaped again, only to be recaptured again, and finally he escaped and was able to travel and see the world. He went to Peru and worked in a copper mine. He went to Chile, London, Edinburgh, Paris, and even Hamburg before returning to the United States. In August of 1920, Carl actually broke into William H. Taft's mansion in Connecticut. Now, for those that might not know who that was, Taft was the 27th president of the United States from 1909 to 1913 and had signed Carl's prison papers back when he was sent to Leavenworth Prison in Kansas. While inside Taft's house, Carl stole a lot of jewelry and also a handgun. Now, the money he made from selling the stolen goods, he bought a yacht. He then decided to lure sailors and military men from New York City bars to his yacht, where he would get them drunk, he would rape them, and then shoot them with the gun that he had stolen from Taft, and then he would just dump their bodies off the side of the boat. After that, he went on a murdering spree for eight years and a few other countries. Finally, his yacht ran aground and sank near Atlantic City. The two victims that he had had on board were able to escape. Carl then boarded a ship bound for South Africa, and he actually got a pretty good job as a foreman on an oil rig, though he couldn't control his impulses and he burned the rig down. While there, he stated that he raped and killed an 11-year-old boy. About this, he wrote, quote, His brains were coming out of his ears when I left him, and he will never be any debtor. Unquote. 
After a while, he returned to the States where he raped and killed two small boys. One of the boys he then beat to death with a rock. The other, he strangled. Finally, one of his victims escaped and they reported their sexual assault to the police who were able to find Carl and they arrested him. He was sentenced to five years in prison. He was released in July 1928 at 37 years old. But just a month later, he was arrested for stealing jewelry and a radio from inside of a person's home. During the interrogation, he finally admitted to murdering three young boys earlier that month. He later wrote that he had also thought about poisoning the city's water supply with arsenic and even provoking a war between the United States and the United Kingdom. He received a 25 years to life sentence. He was then promptly sent back to Leavenworth in Kansas, where he beat another inmate to death with an iron bar. And that was when Carl was given the death penalty. He was, however, allowed a typewriter and paper while in prison, awaiting his execution, and he wrote his sort of autobiography, some of which I used as reference material about his youth. He bragged that he raped and sodomized more than 1,000 boys and men, and he said, quote, For all these things, I am not in the least bit sorry, unquote. His last words before he was hung in September 1930 were, quote, Hurry it up, you Hoosier bastard. I could kill a dozen men while you're screwing around, unquote. He was 39 years old. This story was an interesting one to research. I had heard of Carl Panzram, of course, and I was somewhat aware that he had sexually assaulted boys and men, but I didn't know anything beyond that. Now that I know his background, childhood experiences, and the horrific treatment and torture he suffered at the hands of nearly every adult he encountered in his youth, it is no wonder that all he had left was anger. But what do you think? Leave me a comment on Instagram at serial underscore killing or YouTube under the same name of this podcast. You can visit my website at serialkilling.squarespace.com and also consider sponsoring the podcast. It takes many, many hours and a lot of work to gather this info, but I love it. And thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every one of you, as I know you could be listening to anyone else, but you chose me. Thank you, and have a great day.